Hello, I'm Rachel England and welcome to Brain Yapping, the podcast where comedian and actual qualified neuroscientist Dr. Dean Burnett gets put through his paces with brain-related questions by me, not a neuroscientist, without any advance warning or prior preparation, in a bid to demonstrate that science isn't always as slick as it seems. Okay. Hello, Rachel. Well, welcome back. Hello, Dean. <laughs> How have you been since we last spoke? Um, since we last spoke 10 minutes ago. Mm -hmm. If that. Um, yeah, much better now. I've, uh, I've, I'm charged up with nicotine again. Mm. Have you considered vaping? Is that a thing now? Oh, do you know, when, when they first got e-cigarettes out, I, I toyed with those for a bit. And I mean, they were awful. They're just mm. disgusting. And there's all kinds of safety concerns with them exploding and setting things on fire. And vaping sort of got popular. Um, the problem with that now is, I mean, obviously the fact that it, they're still not entirely sure what the health implications are. Mm. Um, there are some studies that suggest it's almost just as bad as regular smoking. But also, you just look like such a douche. <laughs> there is that. You know, like uh, especially in like hipster bars and pubs mm. where, you know, vaping's allowed, which is fine. You know, I'm, I'm, on, I'm on board with that to an, to an extent. But... The clouds of smoke are so audacious, and it stinks. Yeah. Really saccharine too, aren't they? They really um... smells like a fairground. You know, my my stepfather has a vape, and he said he was a heavy smoker, so it's probably better than that. Hmm. But he's outside in our back garden, and um, he's smoking his blows the cloud of smoke. He comes not not at me. It was like like an aggressive dominance move or something yeah. like that. Because it smelled like that's really sweet. What's that smelling? Oh, it's a uh, banana and mango or something. Well, that's like what that. I don't understand. Yeah. Is that People that are, oh, I'm using this because I'm trying to quit, but it doesn't, it's not anything like cigarettes. It's just like inhaling sweets. Well, yeah, and then Miller and my son came out. He said, what's that smell? I said, oh, it's, it's just Bumpy smoking his fruit, which which was <laughs> technically correct, but also it's, it's a weird thing to have to say out loud. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, but I mean, yeah, so it, it smells weird. Um, and I mean, I, I totally get the irony of me saying that because cigarettes don't smell great either, no. do they? But if the whole point of vaping is as a replacement for cigarettes, there's just mm. no, there's just no like linear comparison there. It's it's weird. It's like trying to it's, you know stop eating mm. meat and just eating loads of bananas instead. You know. <laughs> well, I've never been a smoker, but I I do remember the smoking ban coming in. Yeah, and I I will say I I did kind of miss the whole smoking in pubs thing because it, it was the thing about pubs. They were a smoky place and. But then when they got rid of the smoke, had to go outside, then you could smell the people. And yeah. large groups of people drinking together isn't necessarily a recipe for positive fragrance. No, well, exactly. Um, I mean, and, and also it depends on the pubs or bars. I mean, I'm, I'm aware of a number of nightclubs that could really benefit from having smoking inside because they <laughs> yeah. stink so badly otherwise. Mm. And then, of course, there's the whole... I mean, it, it's a culture now. It's mm. it's a It's a trendy culture. Uh, I used to date a guy that got involved in vaping and him and his mates would spend... You make it sound like a blood sport. <laughs> so yeah, I know. Really. <laughs> got, got in the dark somewhere. Yeah. Um, and he, him and his mates would spend hours on a Saturday at one of the vape shops and they would just all be nerding out over, you know, mm. the, the, the tech and the kit and the different vapes and it the seems oils. To me, and, and yeah. I was like, that's cool. Like, have a hobby or whatever. But I think it was, it was always just so um, intrusive. Mm. The smoking ban, you know, when... I, I know not everybody is a mindful smoker, but if I go out for a cigarette, I'm always being mindful. Not to, I don't blow on people's faces. I don't light up in front of kids, mm. you know, or if it's a very crowded area. Um, but vape, vapists, 
<laughs> as I often refer to them uh, as. Chancy term. <laughs> um, you know, our, they, I think there's this kind of attitude of, oh, well, you know, it's fine, it's safe, so I'm just going to, like, blast my candy. Yeah, I've noticed a bit more of a, an exuberance when it comes to the vape. And, an exuberance, that's and I think it. the way you described it, it sounds like they're heading towards, like, the whole um, real alien enthusiast side of things. Yeah, so just yeah. hang around and discuss their uh, poison of choice. And, yeah. So, yeah, that's, um, that's oh, interesting. An exuberance of vapists. That's, that's what they're oh, called. That's the go. group term now. That's the name of this episode, too. <laughs> <laughs> an exuberance of vapists. Okay. Right. Cool. So Hit me. Yes. Yeah, so after <laughs> our, like, our last conversation. Overblown there. Sorry about that. <laughs> ten minutes ago. Hmm. Well, we, we, it's fine to be enthusiastic since it's been so very long since we've yes, done yes, this. Yes, yes. Today, we're going to talk about autopilot. Okay. The idea that yeah, your brain can help you do stuff without you even having to think about it okay so for example i drove up here today i've driven up here a dozen times i know the way i know the roads of cardiff i know my car Mm. i know how to drive (laughs) got in the car and i could not tell you a single thing about the journey up here (laughs) other than it happened Mm. because i suppose in a way i wasn't really paying very much conscious attention I was just driving, and in my own little world, I was thinking about my deadlines and things I had to do and, and all the rest of it. And I look back on it now, I think, oh, was I even paying attention to the road? Well, I must have been because mm. I was, you know, obeying traffic lights and not mowing pedestrians down. Mm. But I was not consciously thinking about it. present in the moment. <laughs> you are thinking about mowing them down, they decided not to. Yeah, it's my yeah. intrusive thought. Yeah. Um, so what's going on there then? Uh, well, it's, it's actually, there's a term for that in... Well, in, in certain contexts, uh, procedural memory. We normally call it muscle memory. Right. Uh, it's like, well, the classic example is like riding a bike in that if, you, if you're not riding a bike, you get on a bike again, you don't have to think about, oh, how does the bike work again? You know, what sort of balance do I need to do? You've learned it. And that knowledge is still there in your brain, just waiting to be activated at any particular time. Mm. It's a task. But it, it's muscle memory because obviously it involves doing certain things with your body in certain ways. So that you know, becomes quite easily ingrained. Um I think, you know, there are lots of different ways of, you know, it breaks down and you can analyse it and subdivide it into this, that and the other. But a lot of it comes down to the fact that conscious thought, like thinking things through, is, you know, is a demanding process for your basic human brain. We can handle like a few different thoughts at once. Like we have a limited short-term or working memory. Like the theory is you can only hold four things in your memory at any one time, your short-term memory. Really? Long-term memory. We don't know the capacity of that. It's never been filled, as far as we're aware. But short-term is four things. Yeah. It used to be like, when you say short-term, what kind of time period are we talking about? A minute maximum. Okay. Yeah. That's that's one thing like a lot of you know, cheesy sci-fi or sitcoms seem to overlook. They're all short-term, long-term. People think short-term of the last hour, like today. And yeah. Anything. But no, anything, anything you can remember from more than a minute ago, that's a long-term memory now. Okay. Because it takes like 30 seconds to a minute to for the brain to form the new connections between neurons make make a long-term memory. A long-term memory is stored in cell in neural connections. So like the synapses, uh, the, the new links between two neurons, that is a memory. Or like that's how it's, that's the physical basis of memory. Like like like, like ink on a page becomes words or combinations of zeros and ones on a hard drive becomes files. But like synaptic connections, we think, are what supports human memory. But that takes a little while to make, you know, in, on a, it takes a while in, in the, you know, on a cellular time scale to make those, to make, to put them together. <clears throat> so there's also like dedicated neurons in the front of your brain, the prefrontal cortex, which patterns of activity in there is what a short-term memory is. So these ones are active now. The example I use is always, it's like, you know, when you write the name of the sparkler, 
Yeah. It's like that. It's okay. definitely a word there, but it's no, it's in the afternoon in your eyes. It's not, not permanent. Yeah, yeah. Or like writing, doing a smiley face in the phone when you're coffee. That is a thing. It's there, but it's not going to be there for long. Yeah. Because it'll fade quite quickly. Or a bubble. Bubble, yeah, totally works. Um, and I've never tried to write my name on a bubble. That seems like next level. No, but the existence <laughs> of the bubble, isn't it? It's there, yeah. and you're like, I can see it. It's a thing that exists, yeah. but yeah. it's not going to be there forever. No, it's not. It's, it's tran- transient, very transient. Yeah. But that part of the brain, obviously, it takes a lot of energy to maintain these patterns of activity, and your brain's not stopping. There is still like new stuff coming in constantly. Every thought you have, every sense you have, some systems whereby the sensory information is just shunted straight into long-term memory because you can remember experiencing something. You have no conscious memory of it, but I think I know, like a face. I know your face. Why do I know your face? You know, I've seen it before. Hmm. I don't. I didn't stop and think and memorize that face because that's not how you do things. Yeah. I mean, in terms of conscious thoughts, you know, like um, which is normally verbal. Like you can you can remember like a phone number if you uh, put it together. What defines a thing is very flexible. So you can have like four words. Do you remember four words like from a list of words? But if you put those words into a sentence, that sort of becomes one thing. Yeah, it's like blocking. Yeah, blocking. That's yeah. right. Blocking, chunking, they call it as well, because just four chunks of things. I guess that's how yeah. people recite phone numbers, isn't it? Yeah. They do it in chunks yeah, of yeah. four or five. I mean, I don't know what kind of sociopath recites their phone number in one long splurge when they're sort <laughs> yeah. of giving it to somebody. Yeah. But that's, yeah, it's yeah. naturally how people do it. Yeah. It? And I think, think that's why rhythm and sort of music can be easily memorized because it provides a pattern, a structure. Right. So like you remember like the song lyrics, like, and then it sort of becomes. Um, no, it becomes one thing, essentially. So like the alphabet, then, when you're trying mm. to think about where it's something, the, a letter is in the placement of the alphabet, you have yeah. to just kind you of like verbal through the, yeah. the rhyme to yourself till you get yeah. it. Yeah, okay. And it's like when you, when you see a keypad, uh, like on a parking meter or something, the, the, the letters are arranged alphabetically rather than the QWERTY layer. Oh, yeah, that's so that's disconcerting. Like, what the hell is this? Like, I, I, this isn't how it works. You just stood there staring at yeah. it. Look at, like, you know, where's yeah. M? Yeah, that, that would only work if it was one long line. Yeah. That's how we know the alphabet. Yes. We don't add a third dimension to the alphabet. So yeah, therefore, when it's in just some arbitrary yeah. pattern, you're like, what the hell is going on? And it's the alphabet, which is arguably the <clears throat> simplest rhyme that any of us know. Yeah, and then someone tells you it's the same tune as Twinkle Twinkle Little Star and your mind gets blown. <laughs> yeah, your mind yeah. pours out of your ears. <laughs> yeah. Okay, so... Right. So that is short-term memory. Like, so that is a demanding process and it's also limited capacity. So every time... You know, every time you try to think, like, think to yourself... It happens to everyone. When you get up and think, I'm going to the kitchen, I need a sandwich. Yep. You go to the kitchen, someone says to you, oh, did you hear the thing about, or did, did you get the message from? Say, yeah, okay, sure. And then you get to the kitchen and like, what, why am I here? Yeah. Like, what, what, what did I do? What did I get up for? You remember getting up, but that the information which is in the short-term memory of need sandwich has been shunted out by the new thing. Even if you walk past a radio and you hear a tune, you oh, that's, that's the new one from... Lady Gaga or whatever, you know, you think, oh, that's a bit of cultural relevance for you there, yeah. kids. Dean Vanette is young and hip. Lady yes. Gaga. Uh, well, I mentioned Lady Gaga because I went to Malaysia in 2012. with. Um, oh, and he's well-travelled as well. Yes. Uh, well, well, my wife is, and then she took me along <laughs> to a few things. And we're on, uh, rather a tangent here, but it's relevant, I think, we're on a, a tourist island, Pangkor, which is well, out of tourist season. It's really quiet. Yeah. We're just sat in this, like, beachfront shack restaurant. They just catch the fish and cook them there for you. Popular Malaysian culture, like it's really cool. And this little 13 year old boy went past with a cuttlefish on the end of his fishing rod. And I hear him singing, Oorah, oorah, rah, 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 bad romance. Oh, so he knows Lady Gaga as well. So Worlds collide, yeah. I, I assume she's a cultural touchstone of, of sure, sorts. But, sure, the great leveller. Yeah, but you know, that's the sort of thing. So that can be shunted out. So basically, the brain prioritizes relevant stuff 
over irrelevant stuff. So if you've done something often enough, the brain basically sort of goes, right, how much of this can I delegate? To? I say the brain, your conscious mind, the sort mm. of the, the you bit of the brain, whereas even, even though you're not doing it on purpose, saying, right, how much of this can I delegate to the automatic processes? Okay. So, you know, driving, when you first learn to drive, it's terrifying. Like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's your nose is like inches away from the from the windscreen, yeah. and you're buzzing with nervous energy. Ten and two every single time, you know. Yeah, yeah. that's it. And you're looking Doctor. around like a panicked cat yeah. for every potential hazard. In a reverse mirror, reverse. Yeah, like it, it's it's all there. And now you're yeah. just sort of yeah. bumming along, rolling a cigarette in one hand, eating yeah. a hot dog in the other, fitting <laughs> with the radio, arguing with the policeman, <laughs> arguing with the policeman. <laughs> yeah. be better new officer. But, uh, you know, so yeah, you it slowly be sure it becomes. Okay, so the first time you've driven, right, I'm in charge of a one-ton death machine. Sure, yeah. <laughs> I really need to focus on all this now. 50th time, like, I, it's happened a lot already. Nothing's come of it, so I can I afford to, you know. I, I think I can take my, well, take my foot off the gas is probably the, the bad analogy but to um, use in a, in a car-based scenario. But so yeah, the brain needs to conserve resources. It's very frugal organ in many ways. So anything we can delegate to autopilot procedural memory or just subconscious memory or subconscious thinking will be done so because it's just a more efficient system well how, how does it work then so for example having a shower um that's a probably a really good example of procedural memory do you need shower gel <laughs> i'm okay for now but okay. i put it on my shopping list um so yeah so when you're having a shower and assuming that there are no sort of wild cards like i've got no shower gel um, it's very procedural. <laughs> Sorry, that really tickled me. <laughs> um, you get in, water's on, get mm. the soap, do your thing, wash your hair, fine. And that's it's all kind of largely within your sphere of control. Mm. <clears throat> I guess my curiosity about autopilot when you're driving, of course, is that you're not just you know doing it all. It's not all down to you, is it? There are people on bikes, there are mm. traffic lights, there are pedestrians, there are other drivers. Um, so how do those? How does that stimulus? interact with you're saying the automatic processes because mm. you can't simply just zone out you still have to still has to be an element of you that's aware of yeah. other things that are happening that's, that's an interesting one because there's a lot that comes to the attention system in that what decides where you dedicate your attention to you know what 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 deserves my time in this particular instance mm. and it does look like there are two separate attention systems in the brain the top down and bottom up like top down regulated by don't smoke at that. I mean, that just, that's, that's just what it's called. I mean, I'm I, just I, I, smiling at you. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. Fine. <laughs> Let's go with that. This completely audio medium. Yeah. So I'm, I'm going to keep saying bottom up because that's what it's called. Okay. Top, <laughs> if you don't mind. Top down, bottom up. I'm sure I've heard that somewhere else. But it's definitely not a neuroscience book. <laughs> In a certain club, perhaps. Yeah. Go on. Yes. Um, again, I might call the episode that. <laughs> Oh God! Um, so I, I, I gotta keep saying it because that's those are the official just terms. Say yeah. It. So um, top down is like the conscious control of attention. Like you decide what is that. Like when you're looking for a, doing a where's Wally thing. Yeah. Right. I look at this bit, not there. I look at this bit over here. This, this bit that looks intriguing. Look at that. Look at that. Look at that. That's the top down conscious system. You you shift your gaze around the room, like thinking, oh, is, is that you know, like you see a friend across the room? Is, is that? Well, I think no, it's not. You you are deciding to look at something. And dedicate your mental resources to that thing. Yeah. There's also the bottom-up system. Don't smirk. I... Uh, preempting, preempting. <laughs> you were going to. I saw your face. Well, I am now. It's yeah. the white bear thing, exactly. isn't it? That we yes. spoke about in the last episode. <laughs> ah, neurocontrol. Ah. Um, so that you know, 
but then that's that's the automatic system so the part like information comes in through your eyes goes to the conscious system like it goes to the thalamus but then it gets shunted all over the place and then some of it just goes straight to the like the threat detection systems or things like that so anything which is unusual and deemed to be relevant by the subconscious systems that sort of takes priority it just says okay whatever you're doing stop beep 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 you know like sets the alarm off it's a bit more crude but it's right. a lot faster but it's it, not it's not panic inducing no no, because no. otherwise, the simple act of driving would be absolutely exhausting if we were just constantly bouncing from gentle autopilot to sort of panic, panic. Yeah, no, it, it's sort of like it's a precursor. As in, is this something which we should panic about? I see. Right. I think the example, best example, is when you know, if you're in, if you're at home alone, something goes bang in the kitchen, like a glass falls out of a cupboard. You were paying attention to that. You didn't think about it. Mm. Just says, I'm, I'm alone in the house. There's something smashed in the kitchen. Then you they panic induce indefinitely. Yeah, so like, yeah. Eh, eh, eh. You can't help it. You just got to shunt your attention. Sure. It, it happens for you. You don't get to say in the matter. So like the the, the autopilot systems can be they can over overrule the, you know, the conscious system if it's deemed important enough. And those are obviously operating when you're driving. So you know how the road works. As chaotic as it can be, you know the rules. Like so, I go in this lane. Other cars go that lane. Mm. They'll avoid me. I'll avoid them. Pedestrians shouldn't run in front of the road. But as soon as they do then you're that part of your brain's going eh, person yeah and you do the whole emergency stop procedure which you've never had a chance to use yet i did try it once when it was snowing a few months back and um snow didn't didn't really work so didn't you end up in a wall yeah hit a wall yes there we Someone's go garden wall but no car was fine wall was fine i drove off slightly cautiously um well i mean yeah. i guess and that that's the thing isn't it if, if you're used to sort of driving and autopilot and it's fine as soon as there are variables like snow for example, then autopilot kind of comes off, doesn't it? Yeah. Obviously, you are far more. Oh, this is this is new for a start. Yeah. And I know full well that I cannot trust my normal behaviour to this particular setup. Mm. It's also something happens. I think when if someone has a bad car accident, a lot of times they'll be very wary or even can't get back into a car again because now, like all those assumptions I have about how the car works, I know that those aren't trustworthy. Mm. So. Well, yeah, and I suppose it's it's like the, sh- the shower as well, isn't it? I mean, everyone showers every day. It's just a very mundane activity, but I mm. guess you'd only have to slip in it once and crack yeah. your head, and mm. it would probably be a very long time before you yeah. could get back in the Baths shower. from then on, your water bills go up, but, you know, you feel a bit yeah. more... <laughs> or, like, they'll just spray yourself with some deodorant, as some people seem to think is acceptable. Get someone to hose you down yeah. in the garden. Yeah. I will say the shower, there's, also, there's always the added element of if someone else uses a tap in the house... Then suddenly it's not a boring experience. It's like, ah! You know, when it's suddenly the, the water pressure changes or you get a hot blast. So that'll keep you on your toes. But that's not serious enough to actually cause you any kind of long-term shower-based trauma. Well, it depends on how hot it gets. But yes, by and large, no. It, it shouldn't be... If your boiler is dispensing water hot enough to literally injure, then yeah, that's 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 wrong. Okay. <laughs> well, yes, evidently. See someone about that. A plumber, not necessarily a doctor. Are there people... Uh, are there certain elements of people that make them more predisposed to sort of doing tasks on autopilot or is it simply just accumulated knowledge? Um, I think it's, again, accumulated. If you do anything long enough, you'll become adept at it to the point where your body can just take over. Mm. Like people do do like those huge long calculations like um, because that part of their brain has been excised enough. Um, there's a famous study, uh, Guire and so on, that a uh, taxi driver study whereby the anterior part of the hippocampus is strongly linked to spatial navigation. Where's the hippocampus? It's the temporal lobe, towards the middle, 
it's the, the it's the part which makes long term memories essentially. Okay. But obviously that that feeds into navigation because you need to remember where you've been and so on. Mm-hmm. And in London cabbies who have the knowledge, you familiar with the knowledge? Yes. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. uh, you live in London, obviously. So um, they have enlarged hippocampi plural because they've had to do a lot more spatial navigation. Okay. Driving, because they need to know where everything in London is, and that's quite a big ask. That's a huge yeah, exactly. ask. They have to be a sat-nav before sat-navs are invented. Yeah. I, I, I find it interesting, they did the same study with bus drivers in London, mm-hmm. and they don't have that, because although a lot of the same skills are involved, they don't have to... You can't get a bus and say, take me to this place. Yeah, they, I mean, they yeah. drive a predetermined route back They have forth. a set route. They haven't got to navigate. Well, they haven't got to navigate, but they haven't, they haven't got to work out where things are. It's yeah, the act exactly. of working out what something is, which is the tricky part, or the, the demanding part, if you're off enough, then your brain expands to accommodate it. Mm. Or things like musicians, piano players, or even flautists or violinists or something, they have bigger parts of the brain, bigger parts of the motor cortex dedicated to fine finger control because they use that a lot more. You know, if someone just works with a hammer all day, you don't need a lot of you know, dex- dexterity. Whereas sure. if you are someone who does that, or like, like surgeons, for example, would, especially like transplant surgeons or something like that, they would have enlarged parts of the brain which are dedicated to fine finger movements or mm. the brain's flexible like that it's good like that but there was something made about a while ago and interesting um proprioception the ability to know where your body is the arrangement of it so if you put your hand behind your back you do you make a fist you know you're doing that right you're gonna look at it you just you know because you know where your arm is relative to you because all those parts of your body the muscles of spindles which are little sensory things which tell you tell the brain this is where your particular limb is right now Helps you walk, helps you stay upright. I think it was a case of a woman who had some sort of stroke or something, maybe an infection, and she lost that sense. She lost the ability to know where her body is in space, you know, in how her body's arranged. So she had to learn to walk from scratch just by being consciously aware, yeah, like of like the feel of a muscle to looking down all the time. So walking for her was a much more demanding task because she had to be constantly consciously aware of it. And no, that's just obviously that was a disorder that was not meant to happen. You can see how, like, even something as fundamental as that, if you don't have the ability to autopilot, can be massively demanding. Yeah, that's true, isn't it? I mean, when when I first learned to drive, you know, every time I'd switch gear, I'd have to look at the gear stick. Where am I going? One, where's my hand in relation to all of the controls? Hmm. I'm touching this, touching that. Now, driving, just change gear. We don't don't even look. I'm just I can immediately reach for it i just know where the gear stick is hmm. you know and i guess in the shower as well it's the same i know like where sort of like my, my hair and everything my body and soap and everything is in relation to each other so you're saying the autopilot you know whatever the activity then is also hmm. very strongly dependent on your sort of physical or your anatomy as well and yeah. your understanding of that yeah but also I've, found, I've noticed it's also quite precise sometimes in that if you get in someone else's car oh yeah car, then the gear is not quite where you think it is yeah that's really th- throws you out completely yeah like, yeah like, I, I find that really unsettling because let's reach out like it's not there like the car's got not got a gear stick it has clearly yeah it's just an inch to the left that's what well, it I was, is i was driving in america last year obviously they drive on the other side mm. the cars you know the steering wheels on the other side and they're all automatic vehicles they're like mm. dodging cars honestly is like <laughs> driving a fairground ride um and once i just got my head around the idea that there's you know no clutch um and there's no gear stick you know it's fine, but periodically I'd find myself with my my right or my left hand just slamming against the door, mm. 
to go for a gear stick that wasn't actually there because like you said procedural memory in my <laughs> yeah. brain i was like i'm driving That's a car works, yeah. i'm slowing down it's time to you know change the gear and you know there was nothing there hmm. no it, it does happen a lot it's just like you know the ritual yeah it's, um i think one of my professors professor john pierce a very esteemed man in psych- psychology he was saying about you explaining this and he said I you know I had it happen to me once. He had he bought a cake for like a party or something, and he was getting into his car. The right, put the car, open the door, put put his books in the back seat. Like he put the cake on his driving seat, thinking, "Don't sit on that. Don't sit on that. Don't sit on that." Put his books in the back seat, sat on the cake straight away. <laughs> uh... oh, door, car door's open. What I do is I sit on it. You don't even think about it. You just can't stop yourself yeah. because again, the automatic processes can be kind of dominant a lot of the time. They can be useful. I mean, you're familiar with the the beer taxi. What's a beer taxi? It's when you go out and get rather drunk and wake up in your bed and have no idea how or why you got oh, there. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm familiar with the beer taxi insofar <laughs> right. as I'm sure it must exist. <laughs> yeah. Can't ever recall the beer taxi. Well, nobody can. That's how it works. Yeah. yeah. It's, um, well, and also, that's when you know, your conscious mind is elsewhere. Yeah. And therefore, you know, kind of, but then you, your instinctive, your automatic autopilot just gets you home. You're still it. doing the stuff. I know where I am. You know, I, I did have. I've had it a few times, of course. Uh, second year of university, when I first moved into a shared house rather than accommodation, uh, came out, came down in summer, got a bit drunk, as you tend to do in these situations. I, I know the way, because I, I didn't really, I haven't found my bearings yet, but I got us back to uh, the house and I put the key in the lock. Like I, I just moved in that day, or the day before or something. So I was like, yeah, putting the key in, like, come on, come on. He's going, Dean, Dean, it's the wrong house. It's not the wrong house. It's number seven. Look, I remember quite vividly, come on. It's the wrong house, Dean. It's not. It's number seven. It's, yes, but not this street. It's, oh, okay. Yeah, fair enough. Lights come Amazing. on. Oh, leg it. Leg it. I did the exact same thing oh, when cool. I went to uni. I did the exact same thing. Stumbled back from a party and my friend's like, Rachel, you don't live there. I was like, I'm sure I know where I live. <laughs> uh, you don't know. You don't, do you? No, that's, that's worrying. But the, so, I mean, all, these automatic processes can go wrong in other ways as well. And I, I, I cite this example quite commonly when I've had a cup of tea in my hand and my mobile phone and I've placed my mobile phone very gently down on the side and I've taken my tea and just thrown it on the sofa. <laughs> okay, I haven't heard that one before. That's, that's quite entertaining. Or it always seems to be <laughs> yeah. around tea, I guess, because the, the action of making tea, again, is very procedural, mm. where I've had um, uh, a teaspoon in my hand and my cup of tea in the other and instead of throwing the teaspoon in the sink, I've just smashed the cup of tea <laughs> into the sink. Okay, now, with this on the egg chat, are you sure you're right? <laughs> Have you got There's something... obviously some like loose yeah. connections okay, up there. Right. But again, you're saying, you know, it's the procedural thing. I've, I've made a cup of tea. Here's my spoon. I don't need that. Mm. Chuck it in the sink. But something's yeah. just kind of malfunctioned and I've just thrown it all in. Yeah, you haven't, you haven't stopped to look at the actual yeah. details of the scenario. They're related. Uh, I grew up in a pub and it was like a small community pub, so everyone knew everyone else. And there's a guy who used to come. I won't name his, won't name him, but he was a bit of a butt of jokes because he was very um, look at me, uh, local big man. Oh yeah. Um, he had a mullet for a start. Never Johnny goes. Big Bollocks. Yeah, but there's quite a few guys like that. But he was a particularly uh, grandiose example. Okay. And he, you know, he's a lot of the guys are quite buff. They all labourers and stuff. But he he made a point of always showing his big forearms. You know, like oh, he would go. Yeah, how very strong yeah, I am. Yeah. 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 But then you see him. What's the time? And he'd sort of go. 
which way are you and they're going oh ah, let me just direct you yeah, with my guns let out. me just flex when I get yeah. but, but of course you're in the pub and they used to ask him what the time was ever he had a pint in his hand <laughs> it's, uh, he just pour over himself oh, no. he's there at least once a week like oh, every so single time he not, couldn't stop doing it not the brightest then yeah but like I say he was so ingrained of like if anyone asks me to do anything which involves moving my arms, I must flex and yeah. demonstrate that my arms are larger than the average. Of course. And that became habitual. And therefore, when he ordered a pint, oh, God, all over himself every single time. Oh, dear. Well, every single time, but often enough that it became hilarious. Really plays into some stereotypes about brains and brawn there, doesn't well, it? Yeah, a bit, yeah. But, you know, I'm not one to judge, but it, it was funny. I'm not saying that much. Well, I did judge. I am judging right now. Idiot. But... <laughs> No, I denied that. That's procedural ability, though, isn't it? <laughs> I'm judging. It's what I do. Cool. Okay. Well, mm. thank you very much, Dean, for your insightful take on autopilot. Um, thank I'm you, Rachel. Drive home shortly, and I hope you know. Fingers crossed, my procedural memory serves me well. Well, that would be ideal. Yes. So, until next time. Until um, next time. Drive safely. Thank you. And consciously. If you'd like to read the Brainy Up in blogs, go to cosmicshambles.com forward slash blogs where you'll find Brain Yappin plus lots of other exclusive science blogs from the likes of Helen Chesky, John Butterworth, Susie Gage, Ginny Smith and others. If you enjoyed today's episode, please do share it on social media, give it a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts as that does really help us out. If you'd like to support the show and everything we make at Cosmic Shambles, you can pledge via Patreon for as little as $1 a month. There's lots of great reward tiers available too. Go to patreon.com forward slash bookshambles or follow the links from cosmicshambles.com. This podcast is part of the Cosmic Shambles Network.